0: This title, Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment, that's the title of the sermon, comes right from the Bible, the exact words from the Bible today. Some of us were raised in the church where we came to a philosophy that didn't quite include this. There's there's some judgment and and maybe a little heaviness put on there, but here's what we have to know. The the truth is not the balance of what God thinks and I think. The truth is what God thinks. God thinks. And so if this is the Bible, and it is, then we're going to pray. I'm praying that today we could get closer to who he is and what he's about. Rob's sermon last week about Grandma's tattoo, I thought it was phenomenal. I I actually feel that it was a call from God to us to stay focused on souls. I really felt that it was a word from the Lord. Years ago, Derry Northrup came and spoke a sermon that, that impacted us for a decade or so, and I had that same feeling. He he talked about the prodigal son and the spirit of the older brother that was that was jealous and he told us not to be that person. you know, focus on me. I've been here for a long time. He told us to be the the, the person that celebrates when when the lost one comes home. and do you, do you remember some of you are here over a decade ago when we did that we we took the little post-it notes, the small ones, like I don't know two two by two. And, and we put names of people that didn't know the Lord and we put them on the pulpit. And the whole pulpit, it was bigger then, <clears throat> was just covered with these multicolored post-it notes. And every time I stepped into that pulpit to preach or into that place, everybody was thinking souls. Because your grandchildren, your children, your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, their name was actually there. And I kind of feel the sense that when Rob came last week, that God is saying to us again, I want you to focus on the loss now think of this I think Rob mentioned this but but I'll just off the top of my head you know we're followers of Jesus Christ right Jesus was with the woman at the well he was concerned about her soul she said come see a man who told me everything about me Jesus sent out the 70 he sent out the 12 focused on souls Jesus gave the parable of the pearl of great price Jesus is the one who gave the parable of the lost sheep Jesus is the one that spoke of His Father's love to everyone so that they might know He came so that they could be saved. His whole life was about reaching the lost. It says He came to seek and save the lost. So perhaps we get distracted sometimes. And so as we preach about this, you'll hear some of this coming back, uh, this emphasis last week as I believe the Lord is speaking it to us. As a matter of fact, tonight at 7 o'clock for Elevate, the whole service is a prayer service to focus on reaching the lost, that horizon, we're gonna pray for your children, your grandchildren, your coworkers. We're gonna pray that God would help us to reach the lost. Rob Ketterling had another sermon later last week because he spoke to several hundred preachers in Bend, Oregon, and I went uh, to attend. That's why he came originally, or, or his primary purpose, and he got to tag it with us here, and the Lord used him. But he shared about one of their multi sites and by the way this was pastor steve up here he's going to be the lake oswego campus pastor the lord brought steve to to reach out and i i honestly believe this hundreds of people are going to be saved in lake oswego that may not have been if we hadn't come why would the lord call someone to multi-site because this is jesus who's always focused on souls and he says in the great commission there it is again go out into all the world and preach the gospel so we're going and i believe hundreds Are going to be reached but they started a a multi-site in minnesota Robinus church at a bar in the worst place in town there's like a strip joint on the on on the right and 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 i can't remember what was on the left but in the middle is this bar and they draped the bar and 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 cover it and then they have church in there and you know mercy triumphs over judgment if you're a judgment person perhaps already you're going hey a bar come on god doesn't show up in bars evidently he does because the church went there and and so there's a bartender in that very first service. He's watching them set up, and he'd, he'd been closing down and, or, or, or setting up. I don't know what it was, but he was there. And he said, hey, do you guys mind if I stay? And they said, uh, no, we don't, we don't mind. And so as they were setting up and warming up, he listened. Then he stayed for the whole church service. And then somebody noticed that he was crying in the back near the end of the service. And then by the time the altar call was taking place, he dropped to his knees and was just weeping. He would say to Pastor Rob later <clears throat> that, that he had been running from God for a long time and that God spoke to him in the back of that room that, that night and said this, I've been pursuing you for a long time and you wouldn't come to my church, so I came to you. How much does he love people when he goes to the bar to see them, to, to see them get saved? He, he came to seek and save the lost. And I'm praying that God will help us catch that heart more than ever and that we would be people who touch others with the love of Jesus so that they can know Him. Let me pray before I get into the points of this sermon. Father, come now and touch our hearts. This is your word, Lord. This is your call to us at Horizon Community Church. Reach the lost. Be like my son Jesus. Carry my heart which beats souls, souls, souls. Amen. I just, uh, just having some thoughts. I'm going a little bit more on the pre-sermon stuff here this morning, but uh, there's just some things on my heart. Can I tell you, there's no, there's no more mature thing in Christ you could do than to lead someone to the Lord. Now we're talking maturity, where, where you, are, you, you are to the place where you're carrying the heart of God for His creation. First thought here that comes from the text in James 2 don't show favoritism says this verse one my brothers as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ don't show favoritism suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say here's a good seat for you but say to the poor man you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. So here's what they were doing. They were leading the rich in their congregations that had risen up after Jesus is gone, the apostles start to meet, they meet in homes, then they have these public meetings. They were leading rich people to the front of the crowd so that they could be seen, people who have notoriety, perhaps politically, perhaps, uh, uh, you know, spiritually, somewhere in the past, but, they're, but, but certainly money people, they were taking them to the front. And here's what God said about that: No, no, no. What they were trying to say is, see how special we, are as a congregation, we have these these really special people among us. Well, here's God's heart: Everybody's special to Him. He loves everybody equally. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. How do we know that He really wants to reach out to the lost, that He really cares about everyone? When you give your only begotten Son. For something, you are really serious. And the biggest thing on his heart was to reach the lost. And this is getting out of whack now. This is becoming a social club, which churches can do if they're not careful. Me and my friends and, 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 and our activities. And God says, no, no, I don't like that. It's sin when you, re- when, when you, when you, when you put yourselves or others uh, above those that may not have. I like this thought, Horizon Community Church is a church where everybody is somebody and Jesus is all. I've said that for the last 22 years that I've been senior pastor here. A church where everybody's somebody and Jesus is all. No respecter of persons. No giving honor to someone because of what they have or, or maybe even what they've, what they've done in the, in the sense that you want to make it showy and show off somehow be associated with that God says reach to everyone because I love everyone I read this week about Mahatma Gandhi you know of Gandhi from India and how he was a Hindu and and uh, though he said some good things he certainly didn't follow Jesus Christ and was not a man of God but in his autobiography there's something really interesting Gandhi himself wrote that during his student days He read the gospel of jesus christ the gospel seriously and considered converting to christianity he believed in the teachings of jesus he could find the solution to the caste system that was dividing the people in india and caste system is basically a pyramid that they have a belief in india that you know if you were born to be poor and and worthless then you're down here and and then you could graduate to this apex of being a priest and, and and a famous person but only if it had already been decided, and it wasn't a godly thing at all. But he knew that was wrong. It's called the caste system in India. And so he he, he saw in the Gospels something very different. He believed that the teachings of Jesus could find a solution to this. And so one Sunday he decided to attend a church service nearby, and he wanted to talk to the minister about becoming a Christian. And when he entered the sanctuary, an usher refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go worship with his own people. And here's what he thought, if Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. That usher's prejudice not only betrayed Jesus, but also turned a person away from trusting in Jesus as Savior, and I might add, a person who had great influence and could have used it all for Jesus Christ. It matters the way we treat people. God doesn't want us to be respecter of persons concerning not only economics, but, but race, and even religion, we can respect someone without accepting their religion as truth. We can love them, we can reach to them so that they could see Jesus in us. Jesus would sit and talk and meet with people who believe totally different than him, but his, he, his, his very countenance, his, his very uh, appearance, his very being would lead them to know that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm telling you, it's not a fair fight when you fight with the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever other religion is already at a disadvantage because none of that's real. None of that's attended by the Holy Spirit. So when you get in a relationship to talk about these things and you share the word and you love people, the Holy Spirit draws them. But if we're not careful, we become so religious where we just protect ourselves. No, we don't want those people around so he didn't become a Christian. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Another scripture says that he's not willing that any should perish, but he wants all to be saved. And if he wants them all to be saved, then we have to be those that are sharing his love because he's chosen to work through us. There's two words in this next point that kind of jumped out to me. I don't remember seeing them uh, so powerfully before. They just... They really made an impact on me as I studied this scripture. And I noticed that the two words are royal law. It's not only in in the NIV, but the NLT and almost every major version translates the Greek words royal law. We call it the golden rule. The Bible calls it the royal law. If you really keep the royal law found in the scripture, this is the Bible now. What is the royal law? Love your neighbor as yourself. Huh, the Bible calls the royal law loving your neighbors yourself now remember we got problems with these people who came from an Old Testament religion uh, an Old Testament covenant and weren't really understanding that Jesus fulfilled the New Testament and Jesus was making all things right they thought that it was all about obeying the Ten Commandments and staying in bounds and then God would love you well you certainly get blessed when you obey the Ten Commandments but you cannot be a Christian and obey the Ten Commandments and get blessed God wants to take it further than that so when Jesus when Jesus came he said hey it's it's more than just obeying it's love what did Jesus say love uh, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself so yeah okay these commands are gonna be a blessing to you but they need to be wrapped in love it's more than just a set of rules love God with all your heart love your neighbor as yourself and he said if you do this you're showing you are doing rather you are doing right verse 9 but if you show favoritism. You sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And there's the point. So you're keeping these commands, but you're breaking this command of love by not showing mercy and and not showing love for your neighbor, then you've broken all of them. You might as well break all That's what he's saying. It's bigger than just a set of rules. It's love. It's God's love, and it's that love flowing through us To others, God's God's law clearly condemns sin. But it also gives freedom, a freedom to know that God loves me, that God loves you, that he would never lead us astray. It's a love that we see that we can trust and follow because he's so good. And we're blessed as we take that correct direction in life, but it's a freedom knowing that the blessing and the boundaries of what are right and wrong, it's, it's more than that. It's a freedom to love and forgive others. What is this mercy we talk of today that God wants you and me to have? Basically, it all comes down to this. Just one line for this sermon. God wants us to love others the way he's loved us. That's it. You and I have been forgiven. As a matter of fact, if you had to list your worst sins, it would be a terrible thing for everyone to see. But we don't have to do that. Why? Because the mercy of God has come to us. The grace of God has come and we've been forgiven. So God in heaven forgave me of my sin that would just bring me shame before you. But he's forgiven me of it. He's forgiven you of it. He's cast it in this sea of forgetfulness never to be brought up against you again. God has an ability you and I don't have. He can forget stuff and never bring it up again. Humans seem to have trouble with that. But he's God he's loved me that way and he wants me to love others that way first john 4 8 says this god is love and first corinthians 13 8 says love never fails that's a portion of those scriptures i like to put those together as a matter of fact i share this when i do a wedding these two scriptures i put them together and say god is love love never fails and 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 so that's what we need to remember god is love and love never fails he loves us and that that will, he'll never fail us And we should love others with his love, knowing that it never fails. We don't want to miss this because it's the most important thing. He called it the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. You don't want to miss one of the important aspects of the gospel. You got to touch all the bases. In the 1996 Summer Olympics Olympics, In Atlanta the US women's softball team lost only one game but it was a game they should have won in the fifth inning with the score tied 0-0 US player Danny Tyler hit a home run over the fence and she took her home run trot around the bases. and when she reached home there was the crowd of players there and amidst all the excitement and congratulations she failed to touch home play and the umpire noticed and so did the other team Australia so she's in the dugout still celebrating the Australian coach and players are talking to the umpire and the umpire nods and what they did is they made a call and sent her back to third base it's still zero zero not one zero and so she didn't score that inning and they went into extra innings tied and eventually lost the game as australia hit a home run all because she failed to hit home base you go through the motions you you enjoying what's happened and as a church We can't forget to touch all the bases. And the most important one is God is love. And the royal law, he says, he puts some preeminence on that as well, is love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. We can't miss that. As a matter of fact, in Galatians 5, 6, many years ago when I was a young man, I was reading this scripture, and the second half of of the scripture says this, the only thing that counts is, and I remember stopping and thinking, whoa, only thing that counts is whatever's next is a really big deal what is it the only thing that counts is and then it says this faith expressing itself through love Wow it's living out this love your neighbor as yourself and reaching and loving people the way God has loved us faith expressing itself through love you know as we think of witness and we think of you reaching out I was saying in our small group this past week as we were praying for our list of people that need to know the Lord, our loved ones, friends, coworkers. I'm hoping most of my coworkers are saved, but you never know. But, but, but as we were talking about it, you know, what's witnessing look like for you? Some of you aren't wired like me where I, could, I can talk to somebody about the Lord and not feel too bad about it. And, and I noticed that people that have the same personality as me as they get closer to God... That's that's maybe easier for us. But but the word says that some plant, some water, some harvest. And so there's a planting and a watering, not just the the, the harvest portion of it. And, And there's the loving, not just the talking. Love is action, right? So when you love people and you walk with people and you care about people, sometime along the way as the Holy Spirit works, their ears get opened up to what you might believe. And they might even ask you questions. But it's touch points. It's just being obedient to the Holy Spirit in those moments as as He speaks because the Holy Spirit will tell you something to say sometimes. You think it's your own thoughts, but the Spirit of God will lead you. And it's just being faithful to say that. And it may be just a word to say, I'm going to pray. But it doesn't have to be this preachy thing. It's love and action. Faith expressing itself in love. I say this and it's on the screen for you, and I I just want to talk it through for a moment with you. Where followers of Jesus keep the royal law of love, people, homes, churches, and communities are transformed. What's the royal law? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now let's talk about arguing with our spouse for a moment. And let's think of this thought, mercy triumphs over judgment. And let's talk about why that collision is so hard. I'll speak it to it from my perspective. Um, if Karen and I are having trouble and I feel like she said something that's not true or not right, then I feel like I'm gonna tell her what's right sometimes. And she, she, may, she may be wrong. But here's the deal. Let's, let's assume that your spouse is even wrong and this collision's about to happen and you're both feeling, well, you're not gonna treat me that way. I'm gonna tell you what's right. How about if we had that thought at that moment? Because... That mercy triumphs over judgment. So here's what that means. Even if we're wrong, God forgives us and loves us. And so, could we say, when we're having this tension with our spouses, when we're having this tension with our children, coworkers, boss, whatever it is, talking about transformation now, could we say, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm going to give mercy in this situation, even if I think I'm right, because God gives me mercy. when you love your neighbor as yourself what 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 would you want someone to do with you if you were wrong you'd want them to be nice you'd want them to be careful you'd want them to care about you what if we treated people that's love your neighbor as yourself did you know there's a lot of talk in our world these days about loving ourselves the bible never really talks about that much it pretty much assumes that we love ourselves a lot love your neighbor as yourself all right so you really so, so your, your whole world can be wrapped around how they're interacting, what they said to you and me, and don't they understand? And we already think that way, where it's us first. But God says think of others first before yourself and love them as yourselves. Well, we need to have this in mind too when, when we're reaching out to people that don't know Jesus Christ. Derry Northrup brought us that sermon of the prodigal about a decade ago and loving the prodigal and bringing them home and not having the spirit of the older brother says, hey, I'm here and I'm faithful, why don't you think of me? Jesus said, don't, don't have that spirit. That's a bad, that's, that's not quite right thinking. Derry talked about a situation in his church where a mom came in with her daughter one Sunday morning, very large church, much larger than this church, walked down the aisle, sat down. And when this young lady sat down, uh, she was wearing these low rider jeans and her pants went down and her thong underwear showed. And uh, a church lady, I know that term means something else to Saturday Night Life people, but it's close here. But, but, a, but a, a, church, a church lady came up to this young lady who was sitting in a row and said, young lady, your underwear is showing. You should be ashamed of yourself coming into the house of God like that. The young lady didn't say anything. She just looked at her, stood up, walked out of the church. Mom sitting with her, teared up and said, my daughter hasn't been to church in five years. I've been praying for her to come to church for five years and this is the first day that she showed up. And then mom walked out after her daughter. I'm not advocating thong underwear in church, you know, being seen. I I am advocating That we love people who don't have their act together. That we love people who may not be there because the truth is we're not there. Come on, man, you aren't where God wants you to be and neither am I. We're growing, we're becoming. And God says, could you love these people? Could you get them on your heart because they're on my heart? Will they come in here and stay? Will they feel love? Years ago, we had an usher who was kind of in the wrong spot because when someone walked through the door, I didn't hear it, but I heard about it. He said, well, it's about time. I haven't seen you forever. Where have you been? So when I heard about that, I just said, reassign, reassign, reassign. He's got another gift somewhere. That usher has since gone to be with the Lord, and the Lord showed him what a warm welcome looks like when he got to heaven, right? And, and, and here, here's the deal. How, do you even think about people who don't know Jesus? I mean I know I can have days where I'll go through a whole day and not think about someone around me that I'm interacting with not knowing Jesus and I'm thinking if that if that happens to me it probably happens to you too this is this is what's on God's heart. He came to seek and to save the lost. We're the way that he's chosen to work in the hearts and lives of people and I love this thought I, I hope when people come through these doors that you don't just think just about your friends or acquaintances. Your small groups are awesome. I'm glad you sit together. I'm glad you know each other. But if we could just have people on our hearts. Did you know if we'd be a church who loved people who came through these doors, who didn't know Jesus, that Jesus would send a lot of people who didn't know him through these doors? That's the way it works. He's looking for a spot that's carrying his heart. And so if we could just love and care, it doesn't have to be weird or talk about Jesus, just a warm welcome. I love this Thought in Acts 28:2. Paul has been shipwrecked. He's a prisoner. And all the cargo is lost, and they're adrift on the ocean, and they were rescued at the island of Malta. Some people came and got them. And here's what it says in Acts 28:2. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us, all because it was raining and cold. I remember reading that and thinking, man, that's, uh, God, can you help us be like that with people who don't know you? That when they meet us, that we'd have such unusual kindness, such a warm welcome. I love sitting around the fire with friends, a, a, a campfire. I, I love roasting, mar- I don't like marshmallows, but I like roasting them, and someone else can eat them. I, I just like being with people in that setting, maybe grabbing a guitar, and it's dark, and, but we're loving each other, we're there, it's fun, and we're laughing. Could we, could we build A warm fire to welcome people out of the cold those who've been shipwrecked those whose lives are so messed up they are thinking about taking their own life could we get our heart on that as as a, as a focus in our lives as well I'm glad you love your kids I think it's awesome I love my kids i give my life for my kids, but I'm going to tell you, if I don't teach my kids to reach to the lost, I'm not being the best daddy I can be. How can I teach them that? By loving the lost, by living it, by caring, by going together, by giving, by sharing to those who have, have needs, who have needs. Could we be those that give and reach and love and give that warm, welcoming fire? Third thought today. We should speak and act with mercy. So we're not just talking about it now. We're not just talking about, hey, we, we love the poor. We want to reach. We, we, we're not just talking about uh, caring for that, that that coworker and how God wants us to do it. But God says that he wants us to act. And here it is in James 2. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. So we've received mercy. And now he's asking us to give the same love we've received to others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love them with God's love. And then he says this, because mercy triumphs over judgment. I love that that story that um, Tiffany shared. And by the way, Tiffany is... She, she's so good at speaking. Where is she? She's, she's in all the services. She might be coming in the next one. But the Lord's hand's on that young lady. I hope you love her and pray for her. She's carrying the heart of God. And, and you know, that woman caught in adultery and, and so often today people want to just shame those who've made mistakes, especially if they've been in the church. We, we shoot our own wounded. Instead of offering mercy to, to lead them back, we, we, we tell them, sorry, you're out of the club. You gotta go, because you didn't live right. Why does mercy triumph over judgment? Because mercy works, and judgment doesn't. Mercy causes people to see the heart of God for them and makes them not wanna do this anymore. When you hear that song again, they're gonna play it as a reprise. I hope you'll think of your own life and the life of others who need mercy. Mercy. Because God is ready to reach and He's calling us to do it. A cowboy here in the West was driving his truck with his horse in the trailer and his dog beside him, a happy camper. Didn't navigate a turn right, didn't see it, had a terrible accident, spun off the road, and everything's strewn everywhere. A state trooper comes up on him. He sees the horse and the horse is mangled and hurt and because he's an animal lover, he takes out his revolver and that police, uh, policeman ends the life of the horse in a merciful act. And then the dog, the same, he's all messed up and howling and, and, and so the officer shoots the dog as well. And then he walks over to the driver of the truck, the cowboy, and he's got fractured leg in several places and the, the officer says, how you doing? He said, never felt better. have people so afraid of the church these days I put at the caption of that illustration mean old church I'm not saying that's our church but I don't want it to be this is a church with the little C there's a church with the big C that we're part of but I want this church with the little C to, to, to be a church I believe God wants all of his churches to be a church that shows his mercy and his love I mean I'm just gonna make up a scenario there's a young lady, she's sleeping around and you're a young Christian woman and you get ticked off at her because of what she's doing. If you knew her story, if you knew that her daddy abused her, if you knew that her daddy ran away, if you knew the brokenness she had inside of the suicide that she was considering, she's falling into the arms of men because she doesn't know there's anybody who loves her. I know somebody who loves her. Jesus loves her. Do we want mercy or do we want judgment? Can we see the heart of God that people have been led astray? Where there's judgment, fear abounds. People won't be real. They'll hide stuff because you're going to attack them. Pray for one another, the Bible says. Confess your sins that you might be healed. Who's going to confess a sin if you're going to get shot at? But when we confess and we pray it's not in secret it's not hidden anymore. God wants us to be lovers of the truth and the truth is mercy triumphs over judgment. I have a friend who had a moral failure. And man, we we loved him, loved his wife, his children, and he committed adultery. And not only did he get separated and divorced, but he ran from his friends in the church. And there were some who were mad at him and speaking some harsh words to him. And I haven't always done it right, but in this case, I just felt like God spoke to me and said, I want you to reach to him with my love. And through the years, it's been been 25 years or so, and it wasn't here that it happened, not associated with anyone around here, before I came here. Through the years, I've called him, I've I've talked with him, I've gotten together with him for lunch. He got married a second time to a woman that didn't know the Lord. That marriage failed. Before he got into his third marriage, he got his heart right with God, and he looked for a woman of God, and he found her, and he's been with her, and, and they've been doing good for 15 years or so. You know, some people would say, three marriages. He knew better because he was in the church. Well, yeah, but don't we all know better before we sin? I mean, I, I mean, don't you want him to come back and don't you want God to show his love and still help him? Well, I did, so I kept reaching to him. And now, I, we, Karen and I were with him and his wife recently and they're strong in God. He's a boss who has several workers under him, scores of workers. And almost every day he witnesses He talks about the Lord to people all the time. And you know what he talks about? The grace and the mercy of God that forgave him. And he'll tell them what he did. And God's using his life. He wrote me a text recently. I couldn't get through it very good. In the first service and I told him, I was crying it out so I wouldn't cry in front of you, but it looks like I'm gonna cry. Hopefully I don't. Here's what he said. This is just a couple weeks ago he wrote this. Stan and Karen, it was so nice and so fun to spend the afternoon with you. I'm blessed in so many ways. The two of you are part of that blessing. I wouldn't be who I am today and enjoy the life that I have if it wasn't... If it wasn't for a friend that forgave me when I failed. Encouraged me to move forward and believed that God wasn't done with me even when I didn't believe there was hope. You've always been such a good friend, and I hope you both know my wife and I will be holding you both in our prayers before our Father, and are always here if you ever need us. And we had gone golfing, so you can see his integrity. He said, I also added up the scores, and I think the ladies beat us even without the handicap. (laughs) He says, blessings to you, your friend always. Jesus wants to be a friend. And Jesus shows that through us. Now, I I haven't always done so good when the Lord prompted me, but in that one, I I just tried to hang in there for 20-something years. Romans 2, 4. Do you show contempt for the riches of kindness? Now, Pastor Steve, this guy going to Lake Oswego was deep in the Lord, and he said, you know what jumped out at me? In the first service, contempt. Why do we show contempt for his kindness? Why do we have the spirit of the older brother? Hey, I've been faithful and do they, do, make him pay. Make him pay. No, this is mercy. You don't get what you do deserve. That's mercy because he's full of love. I'll end with this, and I'm I'm all over the place in this sermon today. Um, <clears throat> When you understand the mercy and the grace of God, you, you're tapping into love. And when you start to understand that love, you do not want to fail him. You wanna be faithful because he's so good. For instance, I, I'd like to think that I, that I would never commit adultery. I never have, and by the grace of God, I never will. But I know this, better men and women of God than you and I have fallen. So we have to stand on guard and be very careful. I don't meet alone with women for, for any reason just because it'd be hard to commit adultery if you're not with a woman, right? And, and I, I trust myself, but I don't even want someone to say bad things. And I, I'd like to think I wouldn't, but it's a possibility that I could. The Bible says, be careful when you say you stand, lest you fall. Meaning, be careful when you think, oh, that would never happen to me. You've got to be on guard. That's what, that's what protects. But let me tell you one of the greatest deterrents to me committing adultery. My wife's incredible. She's such an amazing lady she's kind and she's giving she's a servant she's beautiful and you know what keeps me from doing it she has loved me incredibly i want to love her i want to be faithful because she's so awesome and take that and take it to god now you say mercy triumphs the sin will come in no 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 sin will leave more and more when you understand the love of god He's so good to us, just like Karen was good to me. We're not going to do that. He loves us so much. Like Joseph, we say, how can I do this to my God? He wasn't thinking about his future wife or spouse. He loves God. God's so good. And mercy triumphs over judgment because it moves us to a place where even the woman caught in adultery says, wow, that kind of love makes me want to follow Him.